Hi, I'm Julia Hines. I'm a second year grad student here at MSU. I'm researching with the Atlas collaboration here. Um, I'm working, so that's high energy physics. And my research area, I'm working with the high mass Australian analysis group at CERN, um, which is a precision measurement. And I'm working uh, with the systematic uncertainties and kind of helping them with the uncertainty analysis related to that precision measurement. Okay, cool. So at so that's part of CERN, right? And CERN is like four, from my understanding, I'm not a high energy person. So, but it's like a giant ring with like four experiments are like throughout. And there's yep. like what? Atlas, LHC, Alice, and a fourth one, right? <laughs> yeah, so the LHC is the Large Hadron Collider. So that's essentially the ring that goes around that's oh, like okay. 27 kilometers circumference, something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, and so then there's the four major detectors, Atlas being one of the largest. And then there's also CMS, which is similar to Atlas. And so they compare data a lot of times. And then there's Alice, which deals with the um, heavier things. So sometimes they'll put like heavy like lead in the Large Hadron Collider to look at like that kind of stuff. And then there's LHCB, which I don't know a whole lot about that, but I think it has to do with the bottom quark. Okay. So can you explain? So excuse me if you already said this, but like, what is it that like Atlas does, like more or less? So essentially we have um, bunches of protons that collide and we just look at these collisions and try to see where... I like to think about us that we are giant toddlers. We smash things together to see how things work. Perfect. That's <laughs> that's a that's a great way. I had a professor. Well, I guess I didn't have them. I was at an institution where a professor was like explained the difference between physics and chemistry, and you know, like this little um, like model toys where you can stick different things and make different atoms with like little plastic. Mm -hmm molecule things and it's like okay make a complicated molecule or something and they're like okay we made something they took like one branch and stuck it to another side it's like that's chemistry now physics you took a very simple one where it's just like a dot and a stick and he chucked it across the room until it like smashed against the wall it's like that's physics <laughs> oh my gosh i'm in love with that description that's amazing <laughs> If I ever need to introduce the, my this to family members, I'm totally stealing that. <laughs> it was so frightening when he did it because, like, we didn't know he did it. I think he hit like the the coffee pot or something when he did it. But anyway, okay, so that's that's super cool. And you did like high energy stuff like before you came to grad school, right? That you do stuff at CERN. Kind no? of, not really. Um, I did. I had one experience in my undergrad, but besides that, I. I'd never really dealt with high energy before. So it was like more or less brand new when I started here. Okay. Why did you choose high energy? It was always fascinating to me. Like I just, I loved the idea of finding out like how the world worked at like a fundamental level. I just thought that was extremely fascinating. And so when I heard about the LHC, I remember I was just Googling something and I was like probably a freshman and probably just learned what an electron was, doesn't, didn't really know anything. It was just Googling things. And I remember asking my dad being like, hey, have you heard of this? It's called C-E-R-N. He was like, no, I don't think I have. 
And then he thought about it and then he was like, CERN, CERN, yes, that's a very well-known thing. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of it. And then I was Googling some more about it and I was like, this is really cool. And so, I don't know, just always thought it was fascinating. Very cool. So when you, have you actually been there before? Yes. I went there not this past summer because of COVID, but two summers before that. So the summer before starting my first year as a grad student. Oh, okay. That's why I had in my mind that you had done like higher energy before, because I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's been there. <laughs> I thought it was before grad school started. Right. It was technically like an early start fellowship here at MSU. So I was researching with MSU, but the summer before we all kind of started. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That's why I had that in my mind. How long were you there for? Uh, two months. Very it cool. Amazing. Yeah. So like, what did you do? So, okay. Yes. Uh, physics is cool and all, but what did you do when you were there? Like outside of like, what were your weekends? Right. Cause you're in France slash Switzerland. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was really cool. Cause it was the first time I had actually, so I was actually living in France and commuting to Switzerland, which was a weird concept to think about. <laughs> but yeah, so I did a lot of traveling. So I actually, my family came out and we spent two weeks in Italy while I was over there. So that was a lot of fun, just traveling. Um, and yeah. Ah, super cool. Where in Italy did you go to? Oh gosh, lots of places. It was my first time there. So we like started in Rome and worked our way all the way up to Lucca. Um, so yeah. Very, very cool. Very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could go to Italy or Switzerland. Yeah, I'm glad we did it before the pandemic hit, but yeah, like assuming that there wasn't pandemic or even in the future, let's hope things actually improve at some point. It would it be like a possibility to go back and do stuff, or is all your stuff like remote anyway? Um, it is remote, but they try to send the grad students out there because it's cool to like actually be there where the data is being collected. Um, so while what I do is essentially remote, um, like I do hope to go out there eventually. Like hopefully once I pass all my subject exams, I'll be able to go out there for a couple of years. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So um, do you like want to go into higher energy physics? Like post grad school like this way you want to do research in okay fingers crossed yeah i would love to be like a staff staff scientist at cern that would just be amazing super cool that's yeah i don't know much about more about like high energy physics but just like the sound of high energy i mean sounds cool and it was like see all the pictures it's like oh it's a massive thing it just it just looks cool yeah um all right, very cool. So let's kind of go back to you're an undergrad. So you went to like what Appalachian State, right? Yep, Appalachian so, State in the mountains of North Carolina. Very cool. Why? Why did you choose to go there? Um, well, so I spent the majority of my life in North Carolina, and my parents told me I had to go somewhere in state. And I'd always loved the mountains, and. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life when I was an undergrad, or at least in high school, choosing a school. So I just chose one that had pretty scenery, honestly. How do you feel living in a state that does not have mountains? It makes me really, really sad. Like, I 
the snow is good. I just wish we had mountains so I could go skiing. Very good. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. It was like, I don't, I don't know what the mountains in North Carolina really look like, but I didn't know that like you did skiing while you were there. Yeah, I actually worked as a ski instructor for two years as an undergrad. Ah, very cool. So I, I've never been skiing, even though I was from Colorado. So I was like very, so all I know is that pizza, French fries, right? That is yep. that. <laughs> yep. Pizza will make you stop. French fry will make you fly down the mountain. Perfect. Perfect. Glad. I'm <laughs> glad I know the fundamentals now. Yes. Um, very cool. Did you do, well, I guess you went to Europe in the summer, so you probably didn't go skiing during. <laughs> I did not. I tried. I looked it up, and there there was not skiing. Because I'm like, the mountains are tall enough, right? But no, unfortunately not. Well, I'm sure somewhere, but nowhere around where I was. <laughs> All right, so did you start off as a physics major? No, I actually started as chemistry. Oh, okay. Why did you choose chemistry? Um, so I took AP chemistry in high school and really liked it. Um, and then the following year, I took AP physics and also enjoyed that. Um, but what I think why I really liked chemistry was because, like, back to the whole wanting to understand fundamental things, you know, as a high schooler, I was like, ah, this is fundamental. This is chemistry molecules fundamental understanding of everything. And so with that, I was like, ah, I will pursue this. Um, so that's okay. why I went to college. And then once I was at my undergrad, I took more physics classes and realized that I really enjoyed what I enjoyed in chemistry was actually the physics. So, but okay. Yeah. When did you make that switch? Um, Technically never. I ended up double majoring. But oh, okay. I, so I did organic synthesis research for a couple of years before I did my first physics research. And so I think somewhere in, in the like sophomore junior year is when I made the transition to physics research. But I should also say I was, it took me five years to graduate because I double majored. So, so I did two years of chemistry, three years of physics. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I've known a couple of people who have like del- doubled majored in chemistry and physics. And especially if you're doing like high energy stuff, it seems like they go relatively hand in hand, right? You're <laughs> looking at very specific particles and everything. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so can you, when did you start doing chemistry research? Did you start doing that like at the beginning of undergrad or did you wait a couple of years to get into that? I think... Oh gosh, when did I start that? Either it was between my freshman and sophomore year. So early on, it was my first research experience overall um, was in that field. Okay. Okay, cool. And then when you switch over to the physics one, that's why you said you can't at least started doing a little bit of high energy. Is that right? Or was it something totally different? That was actually something totally different. I actually didn't even do high energy until my senior year. Um, So I actually did an internship abroad at the University of Angers in France. And when I was there, that was my first physics research experience. Oh, okay. Very cool. France is... I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I was going to say um, it was my first time actually coding anything, too. It was all computational research. 
So I was in a foreign country and also trying to learn a programming language. It was it was a little rough, but how is that? How is that? Because I know every time I've tried to learn a programming language, it's been rough. <laughs> yeah, it. I learned what I needed to help, but um, I didn't actually learn programming until a couple of years later. But I learned the very basics. Like I learned that I could open up a terminal on my computer. Yes. I was at that level when I started. <laughs> Doing stuff in like Ubuntu or something. Yep. Yeah. The first like research internship I did, it was something similar. It was like, okay, it was my first time. Like I had taken a class beforehand that was like, how to use Linux systems. And then I'm like, I'll never need to know that. And then like went somewhere and used it. And I was just terrible at programming and all of it. And <laughs> I did some update on one of the computers and it took like three, it was just like a purple screen for like three straight days. And I'm like, I am breaking everything I touch. Oh, yes. I've definitely sent infinite loops to go run somewhere else. And I would get an email from the advisor saying, Hey, you sent an infinite loop. I killed it, but don't do that again. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't really know what I did. I'm sorry. Yes, that was. <laughs> there's a lot of stack exchange or whatever. Be like, I don't know what I did. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Very cool. Do you speak French? It sounds like. Well, now that you've been to France multiple times, you would think, but what? not very well. I can read it and write it fairly well, but speaking, I just completely butcher it and. It's just very poor. Granted, I think I just need to practice it more, but yeah. Oh, I would say yeah, I speak at like a toddler level. Yeah, that sounds that's like how I have been with like Spanish. Like Spanish was the language that I took for however many years in, in school. And I was like, okay, I could read something and get the gist of it. Um, but if you want me to say something like I, I butcher, I butcher everything. I can't even speak English very well. So like, <laughs> I, I butcher everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's very rough, especially if you're like not using it consistently or have someone to speak to it. Um, so, so very cool. So did you do, were you a part of like any clubs or hobbies outside of school when you're an undergrad? Um, so I was a part, we had Panda Club, which is physics and astronomy club, but our oh, logo okay. was a little panda. So that was pretty okay. cool. Um, so I was a part of that for all the years that I was an undergrad. Um, besides that, that's about all of the clubs I was in that I can think of. Um, but I did a lot of running. So that's kind of like my hobby that I do. Yes, that was, so I was going to, first of all, disappointed that there were no pandas actually involved in this panda club. I got really excited for a second. <laughs> I know, but. Yes. So like I was going to bring up like you run marathons and my question was going to be why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just I'm that level of crazy, I guess. That, that sounds fun. But then again, I also do physics and some may argue that requires a certain level of crazy too. So. I, I also ask why when I, <laughs> like, so did you like run track or cross country when you were in like high school or anything like that? 
I ran cross country. So it's funny. I actually hated running as a kid, like absolutely hated it. I only started cross country because my mom forced me to do it. And then she, because she, her argument to me was like, try it for a year. If you hate it, you will never have to do it again. And I was like, okay, fine. I did it for a year. And then I was like, oh shoot, she's right. I love it. And so I mean, then I realized that I don't run fast but I can run long. And that's mm-hmm. how I kind of got into marathon running. Very cool. How many marathons have you run? Um, I think this next one will be my 10th. That's a lot. Yeah. I've run in seven states and one international marathon. Oh, okay. So one Very of my cool. goals is to run in every state in the U.S. Very nice. Where are the seven states that you've done it in? Um, North Carolina, California, New Jersey, Tennessee, Georgia, West Virginia, Mississippi. Okay, very cool. So this is my thing. Well, I guess I don't really have a thing because I don't run marathons. But something I just can't think of is like there's a lot of you hear people like, oh, you know, there's a lot of focus on like, this is my time for a marathon. But then it seems to me like, yes, it's the same distance, but it seems like every marathon's different based on just how the simple course layout is. Like, do you really compare your marathons to each other? Or like, this is my separate event and not really comparable. Yeah. So I'm roughly like in the same time, like I, like my goal, my overall goal is to run like a four hour marathon. I've still never done that, but that's my goal. Um, but yeah, it definitely like just varies. Like I run one marathon where it's like just all hills, like up and down and up and down. And so, you know, I had a slower time for that. And then I've ran one completely in the rain. So it's like, those are going to be slower times. So it's like, yeah. And I've run some very flat and almost had a heat stroke. So they're all just different. Do you, so when you run, are you just running for yourself or are you, do you have like a competitive instinct of like, oh, I, since there are other people here, I at least have the mental mindset of I have to beat that person or just something like that? No, <laughs> I'm definitely running <laughs> just for me. Um, that's one of the things I actually didn't really like about cross country is because it was only, we would run three miles and it'd be a competition. I'm like, why can't we just run like 16 miles and just all say, yay, we finished. So. Okay. That's, that's such a like wholesome way to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's just because I can't run fast. So I'm like, ah, there is no competition because everyone will beat me. I mean, I don't think I could run it in, in four hours. <laughs> I think I can run half a mile in some amount of time. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I running think... past versions of myself. That's my competitive edge. Very good. <laughs> it's like in a video game, so you're like racing against the ghost of yourself. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I earlier in the summer, I like told myself for some reason, one after, cause I was on like Strava or something. And I saw one of my friends like, Oh, every day they run a mile or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? It was like 10 o'clock at night. You know, I, 
I'm inspired. I'm going to start doing that, even though I haven't run since I was required to in PE in high school. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get up early in the morning, early, so that way people can't see me. I'm going to do it. And I set an alarm, and then like 6 a.m., Brian was like, no. <laughs> and I just like couldn't get the motivation to do it. Uh, yeah. I constantly fight with 6 a.m., Julia. <laughs> If I think, like, I also am against stretching. I don't know why I'm against the act of stretching, but I, I am. And so the last time I do it, then my, my calves are on fire. And oh. I feel like they're going to rip off my body. Ooh. Yeah, stretching is important. Bananas would also help with calves. The potassium. Okay. I did not know that. I'm running a race this weekend, so. Oh, congratulations. Where is that? Is that here? It's here. Yeah. It was supposed to be, I was supposed to go to DC for it. It's the Marine Corps marathon, but due to COVID they made it all virtual. So I'm just running it here in Lansing virtually. Oh, so how how does that work? Do you just like record it on like an app or something? Yeah. So you, they have certain apps that you can use. I typically use RunKeeper. um, And so then I just like start it and then run for like four or five hours and then stop it. And then you just submit it to their website. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. I did something that was, it's not similar. It's not similar at all. Never mind. <laughs> like I was going to say, I did, I did a bicycling thing that was like similar where you can do it online and record like your times. And then it's like, Oh, okay. So everyone can kind of do it at their own times. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. When you do your running stuff, do you do it alone or do you do it with like your housemates or other people? Um, it depends. So if it's just like, I don't know, I guess between one and 12 miles, I typically do it by myself. But once it gets to that higher amount, it just becomes a lot of water that I have to carry. So thankfully, mm. one of my roommates, she rides her bike with me. Uh, so I can put my water in her basket, which is nice. And oh, so super. she's actually going to be um, riding with me on Saturday while I complete the race. Oh, uh, that, that's a super, well, first of all, super nice of your roommate. <laughs> yes. I am buying her wine to thank her for afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, I, that's that's something I... I guess because normal and normal marathons, they have like the tables that you get your cup of water, right? Because you don't normally <laughs> run with a water bottle, right? That seems like right. heavy. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Because like when I ride my bike, I usually just do like a camelback or something like that. Um, but running with a backpack of any sort sounds traumatic. That sounds <laughs> and then I've run races where like I've run an ultra marathon where it's like every three miles you would stop. And there'd be like a rest station. So it'd be like a loop and you would run your loop and then you'd, there'd be a, like a station where there was like food and water so you could refill it, which is nice. So then it's not like a bunch of stations like laid out, but it was like just one that you would always come back to. So, so wait, what, how does an ultra marathon differ? Is that like, is it because it has those stops or is it because it's a loop that you do like laps around? So an ultra marathon is kind of like, or an ultra race is kind of like anything that's more than a marathon. Oh, okay. In in case a marathon was too easy for you and you needed more of a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so I've run 
30 miles and 50 miles as well. Sounds like it would take so long. And it would, how do you, <laughs> your legs work? <laughs> um, so the 50 mile one took me about 12 hours and I started hallucinating. So that was interesting. That, yeah. Like that sounds like a lot of cliff. But like, what do you, where do you, where does your sustenance come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, just random things, I guess. I ate pizza. That was something. Is that part of the runner's diet is is pizza right before a race? <laughs> well, it's great for while you're running because it has like carbs and fats and proteins. It's great. I guess that's true. Yeah, I guess probably at that point you just like want a lot of sugars, I'm guessing, to can't get your energy up. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything about health. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in stretching and I don't know how what foods to eat. <laughs> Ryan, you should do some yoga. Stretch out your muscles. I, so I, I get in phases of yoga. Like my last year of undergrad, I did yoga because my friends were doing it. And I'm like, you know what? This is great. And then I stop it. Then like first semester of grad school, I did yoga at the, at the rec center. It was fine. I don't have any flexibility of any kind. (laughs) I am like uncooked spaghetti is like what I am. (laughs) It's like, if I've been too far, like something snaps. (laughs) Oh no. Hmm. Maybe try hot yoga. Cook the spaghetti a little bit. Make you a little That's more spaghetti. That's it. I'll just I'll sprinkle a little salt on me and I'll do hot Perfect. yoga. Perfect. I did um remember in high school, like we did the sit and reach test, right? Yep. And remember like I I failed so poorly on that. Like I think like I think I don't know. I'm gonna make up numbers here, but think like oh you're supposed to get 18 or something like that and I got like four (laughs) and like my PE instructor is just like really (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. I hated those were rough yeah I I I do yoga occasionally I follow YouTube video but then I I don't know I don't feel like anything's working (laughs) It's it's hard. What do you normally eat before a race? Um, if it's a marathon, I typically just eat like a banana or a piece of toast. Um, because they typically start at like seven a.m. So if I want to eat something, I typically try to eat it like two hours before I get up. So that's like five a.m. or two hours before I race. So that's like five a.m. And at 5 a.m., the only thing I want is coffee and, like, something small. <laughs> so. Fair. Is it just because, like, you, you know, it's not going to be hot in the morning? Is that why it has to start at an ungodly time in the morning? Yeah, plus, for, like, races, like, a lot of times they try to shut down the roads. Oh, and so cities are more likely to want to shut it down for only part of the day. Like, if they shut it down from, like, 6 a.m. to, like, noon, they're like, okay, but then we can be open from noon to forever else, you know. Okay, very good. I, I thought of a question. I, I think of this all the time, but this morning I thought of it. When you run and you're just, like, doing your practice runs or something like that, and you're like, what do you do through the neighborhoods or something? Do you run on the sidewalk or do you run in the road? I run on the sidewalk. Okay, 
Okay. Then I unless there's someone you. walking on the sidewalk, then COVID, I kind of go into the street to avoid them. Okay. Okay. Then I can't ask you my question because it seems like every time I drive and I see someone running, it's never on the sidewalk. It's always like on the road, even though there's a perfectly good sidewalk three feet beside them. Oh, interesting. Maybe it's because yeah. the road is better paved. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's just something I was like, <laughs> literally my entire life, everywhere I go, it was like, you see runners, it's always on the road, it's never on the sidewalk, and I don't understand why. Huh. Okay. Maybe, maybe. I have to look out for them now. Saw <laughs> it this morning, it happened all the time in Colorado. I'm like, I don't know if it's just a Colorado thing, but. Okay, okay. Um. All right, so you did it, so you said you were a part of this pandas club that did not have pandas in it. Um, but so like, what did you do in your, in your free time then? Or was it just like physics all, all the time with the occasional running spurt? Yeah. Physics and running mostly and chemistry too. So just school and running. Wow. I had a golden life. <laughs> were you, so when you went to Appalachian state, like you said, you're already from North Carolina, but were you from that area or were you like far enough away from home? that I was from the other part, of, other side of the state. So I was from Wilmington, which is kind of like the beach area. Mm -hmm. So like definitely like six hours away, definitely far enough away from home. <laughs> what about grad school now? Are you doing anything besides, well, even before pandemic? Like how was your first year of grad school? Up um, till March. <laughs> it was interesting. It was definitely a change of pace. Like, I knew classes were going to be rough, but oof, they were rough. But, you know, everyone is really nice here. And, you know, I have so many friends and it's really, really great. And it's different because I went to a school where, you know, in my quantum mechanics class full of seniors, there were eight of us, you know. That was essentially the graduating class was eight physicists. So like to come here and seeing like, oh, wow, there's like 40 to 50 incoming first years. Like that was insane. <laughs> like I didn't even like just the size of MSU. Like I knew it was a state school, but just being here, it's crazy. Yeah. So how uh, we're able to. I know the answer to this already, but we were able to find like a good group of people that you're able to then work with since it was like a larger, like incoming class and be able to make good connections. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. That's how I met my current roommates. They were first year grad students as well. Very cool. So, so it sounds like the transition was difficult in the sense that like classes were hard, but you at least had that like emotional or like supportive, you know, peer support that can't help guide you through that made it bearable. Is that? Yeah, I would say so. And also research helped too. Um, you know, I love research. And so just having something else to focus on besides classes was nice. Okay. So you did research your, on top of um, classes and, and TAing. Mm -hmm. this is time just like non does it mean anything to you <laughs> it does I mean yeah I don't know I made it work and 
you know, minimal sleep, lots of coffee. It's fine. Well, okay. Well, how, how do you enjoy TAing? It's not bad. So I TAed when I was an undergrad as well. So it's similar to that. Um, I'm actually one of the lead TAs for uh, Data Lab. So that's nice. What what does a lead T how what's different about a lead TA? So that means I kind of also guide the TAs and like lead them through kind of like how they should be grading, you know, kind of how to interact with students, you know, just kind of check and make sure everything is going okay with all the TAs as well. So like I have my sections, but then I also help with that. Like we have like weekly meetings to make sure we're all on the same page. And so so there's two head TAs. And so I'm one of them. Okay. Do you kind of like being in that? Sort of, I don't want to say authoritative, but kind of like a guiding, mentoring role? I do. Um, I, because I was a TA for two semesters, so I, I like being able to help other first years who maybe this is their first time TAing. Um, I like to think that I'm helpful. Hopefully I am, but, um, so I do kind of like that role. Very cool. That kind of makes sense because in WAMPs, you're also like a, one of the mentoring people or leaders yeah. in WAMPs, right? Mm-hmm. I'm one of the co-mentoring chairs. Okay. Can you explain a little bit of what that entails? Yeah. So uh, the both I and the other chair, we set up or not set up, the program already existed, but we kind of run the mentoring program. So there's three main mentoring programs. There's the peer-peer mentoring So that's where we pair a first year with um, upper year grad student um, to help them kind of transition into grad school. And then we have the undergraduate and graduate mentoring program. Uh, So we pair an undergraduate student with a graduate student. Um, But this year we also had, we paired upper graduate students to like lower grad, or not graduate students, undergraduate students, sorry. So like a freshman or sophomore undergraduate to a senior or junior undergraduate. Um, And then we also had the REU mentoring. So the REU students who were here this summer, we paired them to graduate students. Very cool. Yeah, I really enjoy the the mentoring aspect of things and that WAMPS does all that. I think that's super cool. Um, How obviously things are a little bit harder now since you can't or in most cases, you can't actually meet people now. So how have you kind of like overcome that or have attempted to like overcome that in the COVID situation? Yeah, we're still trying to find ways to like motivate people to still like meet with their mentors and mentees. Um, We're still trying to work with the university to figure out like a way um, to get people to want to do that. Because usually what we do is just give them like, incentives such as like free money like oh you can go have lunch with your mentor or something for a certain amount of money um but since we can't do that since we can't really do well we can still do it socially distanced but it's harder to do it socially distanced so we're trying to still figure out a way to do that um zoom is great though yeah yeah i did i was i did one of the ru mentoring things over the summer and that was like really cool because you know, I actually got me someone. But on the other hand, it was like, oh, sad because I couldn't actually like see them. And I was like, oh, we're in Zoom meetings all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's hard when you're like 
in classes for Zoom, office hours for Zoom, and then it's like, ah, a social thing, also on Zoom. On Zoom, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like early on, everything, I was like, oh, it was fine, because I'm like, oh, I have opportunities to meet with people who I wouldn't have normally. It was like, oh, people from out of state, we could all do this. And, and now it's like, oh, it's like my 27th meeting this week on Zoom. And... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but all right, well, very cool. Um, would you so how's like your how are you adapting, say, this year compared to last year and handling like classes and all the other responsibilities of grad school now that you can't have like a year under your belt? Yeah, I would say I'm definitely I feel like I am more prepared this year. I kind of know what to expect. So rather than I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say, but just overall, like, I just feel more prepared. I feel like I can juggle things slightly better now. So. Very, very cool. Um, Do you have, like, any advice or insight that you would give, say, like, an undergrad who may be considering grad school? Like, kind of what what did you look for in applying for grad schools and what did you kind of wish that you knew in that process? Yeah. So my biggest advice is to talk to current grad students. So if you're like interested in a certain topic or a field and you're interested in a certain professor, just like talk to the grad students, see if they're happy. You know, if they're not happy, that's a bad sign, but you know, if they seem happy and they're happy with their advisor, then that's a good sign. Um, you could also talk to them about research and kind of like what that life is like. Um, but looking at schools, what drew me to MSU was the fact that like the first two years, you could kind of like switch around what you wanted to do. Like personally, I knew I wanted to go into high energy physics, but like if for whatever reason I came here and I hated it, you know, I wasn't like locked into place. Like I could also change it around if I wanted to. So I think that's really cool and unique. So I think, you know, kind of keeping that in the back of your mind when you're applying to schools, like, you know, how much flexibility would the school let me have with research areas? Yeah. Did Let's say you decided you didn't want to do high energy. Do you have like a second backup plan or something? Or is that just like you haven't even thought about that? So like define backup plan, like in physics or like in life in general? Why not both? <laughs> open-ended. Um, in physics. Oh, I don't know. If I couldn't do high energy physics, I don't know. If I couldn't do physics, I would probably go to chemistry because I did really enjoy chemistry. Um, and in life, I would definitely be a pilot. A pilot? Mm-hmm. Fly, fly the airplanes. Ooh. Yep. Interesting. Are you, would you consider yourself like uh, adrenaline seeking person being a pilot to me sounds very scary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe more towards it than away from it, but yeah. Okay. Is anyone like in your family a pilot or something that just kind of seems like out there? <laughs> yeah. So my mom's boyfriend is actually a pilot. And so he's taken me flying with him several times and it's been amazing. Oh, actually, very cool. Flip a plane once. What was that? I got to flip a plane once. Oh, do like the whole upside down thing? Yep. That sounds frightening. <laughs> it was amazing. And it, it was then that I'm like, ah, 
okay, if this whole like academics thing doesn't work out, this is what I'm doing in life. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the opposite of me. I'm like, I have a physics has, <laughs> I'm like, uh, in theory, I know how an airplane flies, <laughs> but then like, I have this theory of like, there's a reason why the people who design the rockets aren't the same people who fly the rockets. <laughs> because like i've seen the homework that i've done i'm like i get the gist but i do make i do make mistakes (laughs) well granted if i had to build the plane and then fly it i would be definitely a lot more concerned (laughs) i was just thinking like the the people who built like at least like space rockets are like they're in a bunker like miles away (laughs) Um, uh, airplane pilot, cool, very cool. Um, so okay, do you okay? So let's say a student is now joined, they're accepting to grad school and they're in their first year. Like, do you have any tips or suggestions of like how to kind of like overcome that first year? Because I know, like, I think for both of us, like, we had at least with classes, like, oh, it there's parts that are very difficult to get through. Yeah, I would say definitely just don't be afraid to talk to the professor and like go to their office hours and don't leave until you understand it. Um, that's something that I didn't really do. And I wish that I did that. Um, but so that and making sure that you can do the homework, like just that's key. Do you work on the homework alone or do you work with like a group of people or a combination of both? I typically do both. I typically try it on my own first. And then once I get stuck, then I reach out to friends that I also work well with. And then we tackle the homework together. So good combination. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I think that's like a very important thing. I know that's something that like I I struggled with a lot, still struggle (laughs) with a lot of, oh, doing the homework and then like finding people to, to work with. And I was like, I think that's like a very important thing to kind of help get through, get through the classes. Um, yeah. Very good. You kind of like find out what works best for you because there are some people who you can work with, but you don't work well with. And then there's some people that you really mesh with and you really work well together. So you like, I don't know. I never really experienced that in my undergrad because there was like eight of us. So Mm -hmm. I only had those eight people to work with, whereas here, like, you know, there's definitely like just different people who just approached things differently. So, yeah. 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 I think that's a really good, good thing to, to, to highlight because it's like, I know there are some people I was like, oh, I've worked with them. And I'm like, I don't think that was a good experience. I don't think either of us benefited (laughs) from that. And then there's other people you mesh with. You're like, oh, well, that was very productive. Mm so just like finding the people to mesh with. Well, I, I, I think that's the end of my, all, all my hard hitting questions that I had. Okay. <laughs> well, 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 thank you for taking the, the time to do this. This was an exciting journey that we went on in the last <laughs> 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me. Well, thank you. You did great. You did great. I hope it <laughs> All right. Oh, take care.